The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. And it's great to see everyone this morning. Happy Spirit of Independence. Uh, in our teaching, we have a term we use for prayer, a spiritual mind treatment. And at first it may sound a little odd, but it's just what it sounds like. It's treating our minds to some time in spiritual truth. It's allowing our minds to rise above any of the everyday stuff to focus for a time on a greater vision, on what we believe the highest spiritual truth to be, on what we know in our heart of hearts to be true for us and for all people, a greater vision of love, of peace, of well-being for ourselves. And for me, one of the greatest spiritual mind treatments ever written is that most famous part of the Declaration of Independence, which reads, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And a, a secret to the purest form of prayer is when you pray, you can pray for yourself, you can pray for another person. But for me, the purest and the most effective kind of prayer is when we can know the truth that we want to know for ourselves, for everyone, for all. In particular, I think Thomas Jefferson understood this when he wrote these incredible words. He realized that the America he was helping to form into being wasn't just a, a statement. This prayer wasn't just a statement for a piece of geography. It was a statement about the love and the potential and the God-given right of every human being in this world to realize freedom, liberty, justice, and to pursue the happiness within them. I think our founders also understood that their Declaration of Independence was more than just a Declaration of Independence from, from Britain. I think they realized as well the statement that we often say about prayer, pray and move your feet. Or we like to say, treat and move your feet. They recognized that the, the liberty and the, the happiness that they were speaking of uh, wasn't just something that was going to take place just that instant. But it was something like any prayer. Not every prayer is answered in a day or in a week or in a month, or sometimes even in a lifetime. A good prayer isn't a destination. It's a guiding star, like the stars on our flag. It's a guiding star that tells us you will falter along your way. You will make mistakes. But if you don't turn your back on the guiding star, this vision you set forward, and turn to it as soon as possible when you found yourself in error, then it will continue to provide guidance and upliftment for you. 
We learn that in our, in, in our individual lives, that even though we say a prayer, sometimes we make mistakes along our way to realizing it. And it's just as true for our country as well. Harry Truman put it simply, but I think profoundly. He said, Americans will make mistakes, but we must learn from them. The question is, how quick do we learn? One of my favorite American leaders uh, was FDR, Franklin Roosevelt, who from a young age wanted to follow in, his, in the footsteps of his cousin, Teddy Roosevelt, even becoming assistant secretary of the Navy. And FDR wasn't just an incredible president who helped lead us through two of our most challenging times, the Great Depression and the majority of World War II, but he was also our first disabled president. He wasn't disabled his whole life when he was uh, 39 years old, on the way to the, to the top in his political career. He was vacationing with his family in Maine and woke up in the morning just feeling awful. His way was not to um, try and rest, but to really push through it. So he took his kids out that day and he went on the river and rowed faster than he'd ever rowed and swam harder than he ever swam and he even made the kids race him home and he beat him. He was very proud of himself, but he felt terrible. And he laid down that night and the paralysis began to set in. It took two weeks to get the prognosis. Polio. The doctor said, you will never walk and you will never stand again without assistance. Roosevelt in that moment had a choice to turn away from the star of his vision for himself and for all people, to give in to a feeling of invalency, or to do what he did do, both in his recovery and as president, to keep a positive disposition. He read so many New Thought authors and writers of the time and, and always kept that front of believing in a greater good for himself and others. Years later, when he was president, uh, he was asked, you know, how did you find the courage to make all these big decisions during this most challenging time? And he answered, well, when your biggest problem for two years is waving your big toe, no problem seems too small. He would find some recoveries here or there. And three years after this incident, he was asked to enter the name of, of Al Smith uh, for nomination at the Democratic National Convention. And he was terrified, but he said yes to keep focusing on that star, that vision. He had just had a bad fall a few weeks before, and he, and he wanted to be able to stand and give his speech. So he practiced for weeks. A crutch underneath one arm, his other arm around his 16-year-old son, practice walking, practice making that last little bit of way to the lectern, knowing the excruciating pain it would take to stand, even with the weight of the lectern, to give his speech. And it's a bit of a myth that people didn't know about Roosevelt's disability. And on that day, everyone was in, in quiet anticipation, in complete anxiety as he made his way and his son let him go, and he let the crutch go, and he made his way to the podium to stand up straight, give a wide smile, and give a speech that inspired everyone in the room. Al Smith wouldn't win the nomination, and in most areas has been forgotten, but the speech 
laid the seeds for Roosevelt to continue towards that star to become the great leader that he became. And he was indeed a great leader, but even he made mistakes. Even he, unconsciously in the heat of the battle of World War II, turned his back on that idea of the liberty and justice and happiness for all when he signed an executive order assigning all Japanese citizens to be put in internment camps during the war. Well, most of the leaders said during the time, hard times call for hard measures. There was an activist at the time, an actor as well, who said in opposition to the decision, blood has soaked into the sands of a beach is all of one color. America stands unique in the world, the only country not founded on race, but on a way, an ideal Not in spite of, but because of our polyglot background, we have had all the strength in the world. That is the American way. 45 years later, as as President Ronald Reagan, he would apologize on behalf of America to those interned citizens. He said, we admit a wrong. Here we reaffirm our commitment as a nation to equal justice under the law. Our job as a country and our job as citizens is to always keep in mind, always to keep our eyes on those stars, to do our best to ensure ourselves and one another stay pointed on realizing those goals of liberty and freedom and happiness. It's a good question to ask yourself, what what is the most significant spiritual symbol to me? What, What is the most sacred symbol to you? For religious or spiritual folks, it may be a cross, maybe a, a sculpture of Kuan Yin. For someone who loves nature, it may be a sunset or a sunrise. For someone who loves family, it may be a, a picture of a grandmother or a grandfather. For me, the most sacred symbol that, that I know of is our, our American flag. I didn't grow up with a lot of religion. And I remember seeing that flag from a, from a young age. I would stay up late at night, and you remember when they actually used to turn the TV off, they'd play the national anthem, and I'd see the flag there. And I remember in school, we would say the Pledge of Allegiance every day, and I just figured everyone in the world did it. I didn't know all the reasons why. But that symbol of our flag and the stars meant to symbolize a new constellation of a human's way of being has always been so powerful to me. And I understand that that significance of that flag means different things to to different people. You know, I have some friends who see the flag and they only see liberty. They only see freedom. They only see the good that our country has done. And I respect them entirely, and yet my thought to them is, I don't know if you're seeing the whole picture. And then I have friends who talk about when they see the flag, that all they see is is injustice. All they see is the mistakes that we've made along the way. And I respect their point of view too, but my point to them is I don't know if you're seeing the whole picture. For me, the, the beauty of the symbol is when all those things are put together to tell the story, the ongoing story, of our realization of freedom and liberty in our country. Martin Luther King Jr. shared that for him, the most holy symbol was the cross. But he shared that the reason why it was was for two unique reasons. 
The first is that for him, the cross represented the best of humanity. That you could have someone like Jesus who embodied unconditional love, universal inclusivity, who taught peace and compassion and forgiveness for all of humankind. Balance that, that the cross for him also represented what he termed the sordid weakness of man. That humankind can get so caught up in hate or bigotry with that they would take that man and kill him. And for him, there is something about those two things coming together that one couldn't be left out that taught him that the idea, no matter how hard our times may be or how wonderful and loving, that we achieve a resurrection, we might say, when we've truly embodied the spirit path, when we've truly embodied within ourselves those values that we seek to emulate for our children and for everyone else as well. And for me, that's personally how I like to see the flag. When I see the flag, I see suffrage and I see slavery. I see baseball and I see the Dust Bowl. I see our incredible men and women in military. I see the national parks. And I see tent cities and people struggling to get by. I see all of the wonderful sacrifices that have been made and all of the things we still struggle with when we read the newspaper today. It all goes together. And for me, when I'm able to see that flag, it awakens in me that call to continue to reach for those stars. That the greatest betrayal for me would be to turn my back on them or turn my back on what that flag represents to me. To live fully in those values that have been laid forth for me to live and achieve and will hopefully be laid forth for generations to come. For me, the realization of any great American dream for any citizen isn't just about having the opportunities available to realize visions of freedom and happiness and justice, but it means overcoming adversity. There is no one in this room that has not had to face some sort of adversity on their way to realizing the truth of who they are. Shared earlier were those words from Abraham Lincoln at his first inaugural address during the the Civil War. And they're important words for me for this time where we are experiencing out out in the world uh, quite a bit of political tension, lots of political sensitivities. It's good to remember how long underlining conflicts have always been with us. And there's two terms that he used, and I think Emily read them better than Lincoln or I could, so I won't read the whole paragraph again. But, but the first is his comment, the, the, the angels of our better nature. Wow. The angels of our better nature. You see, Lincoln was a very deeply spiritual man. He didn't go to church because he said he couldn't find one that practiced the golden rule. He said, find me a church that truly practices the golden rule and I'll go there the angels of our better nature, what does that mean? It means even at the dawn of all this fighting, there's the recognition that to make change in our country, yes, at times you must criticize. Yes, at times you must protest. Yes, at times there may even be a call for fighting. However, true healing can only happen when we appeal to the best in one another. 
True transformation cannot take place until we appeal to the highest values and virtues in one another. The angels of our better nature. The other term that he uses that I think is so powerful is the mystic chords of memory. The mystic chords of memory. What does that mean? Well, to me, it means that there's always that part of us, whether we forget about it or not, that's always one with that star. There's a part of us that will never end because it never began, because its very spiritual home is that unity with that freedom and that justice and that happiness which we seek to download and bring into our lives for ourselves and our fellow citizens around us. The mystic chords of memory. There's a story that Abraham Lincoln used to tell in the midst of the Civil War when people were freaking out and seeing uh, everything falling apart. He said, when I was a younger man, I was boarding with a Presbyterian minister on a train who always believed that the judgment day was going to come at any time. And one evening he shook me and, and woke me up. Arise, Abraham, the day of the Lord is upon us. And Abraham wiped his eyes and he looked out the the window of the train and he saw there was some sort of meteor shower going on. And you can see all the lights and it was like fire falling out of the sky. But then he said, I looked a little closer and I could see in the distance those great constellations I learned about as a boy. They were still there holding strong. And he would share with the people around them, my friends, the world did not end on that day, and our union will not end now. What a wonderful analogy and reminder to hold that whole perspective, to realize that even in the midst of conflicts and arguments and mishaps and mistakes and trying to make up for those mistakes, there is always that perfect wholeness. There is always that guiding star, not just for our country, but for our individual lives. May we have that ability to treat our mind to that spiritual realization, to that mystic cord of memory, to that angel of our better nature, to welcome that angel into our lives, to embrace and embody a greater hope for ourselves and for all. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.